Hey, Finn, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. You've just seen a couple movies that I'm very excited to talk about. Oh, me too. Uh, unfortunately, we won't talk about them here. Welcome to Shite and Sound. My name is Yutha Shite. And I am Finn Sound Nicholas. And this is a podcast about looking. Yeah. We talk about looking at different things. Scopophiliacs. Ahoy! <laughs> Getting on the old, I'm the captain of the good ship eyes. Uh, and with me, my scrub mate, the Smee to my captain, look, uh, my old Oculus, that's operator, mm. of the Oculus, it's Finn Sound Nicholas, it's... we've always thought about you having sound as opposed to, to look at, mm. in your name, and we're, we're just going to talk about what we... Well, because I, I personally, as a half man, half bat, I use sonar <laughs> to look, oh, and so yes. I use sounds. Of course. Uh, and we we've never really uh gotten into it on the show mm. it's like you know like that that you're half man half bat yeah a kind of to pick a phrase at random man bat. man bat <laughs> no batman <laughs> no yeah yeah uh, batman nope. man bat because i want to get sued <laughs> i mean either way <laughs> uh um is that you uh, uh, you know, and that's a part of who you are. We've never denied it. It's informed some of your thinking. Yeah. But I, I think the time has come uh, for you to tell the story of how your uh, father and mother met, one of whom was a bat. Wh- 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 mm. Which one? Here's the crazy thing. Both of my parents were... <laughs> So, I don't know why I'm laughing. So, my, both of my parents were one quarter bat, and I got both of their full quarters. Oh, and, yeah. And, that's, and uh, so I became <laughs> half man, half bat. Uh, I, don't worry, guys. Finn is showing me a Punnett square, yeah. and it works. Uh, yeah, out. I've, I've worked this all out. I did year 11 biology. No, I didn't. I did year. I did. More. Oh. <laughs> what year did I drop science? Uh, hopefully never, because if, if if science broke, we'd all be in uh, a bit of a tiz. Ooh. <laughs> Is that one of your sonar noises? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I just had to reorient myself. No, so what I'm interested in looking at this week is you telling a story just somewhere so somewhere in your family tree yeah seemingly at multiple points yeah yeah it's on both sides isn't that weird (laughs) well and it's i i don't know why i'm stating this it's it's a fact everyone (laughs) knows within the universe we are currently in yeah batman hybrids are not they're not usual no 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 normally there's a lot of there's a lot of rat men. Yeah. There, there, there's, of course, a lot of cat women. Yeah. And, of course, just loads of people who really, really get into stew and then have to choose whether to become stew or stay human, the soup or man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, of course, there, there are people who are half human, half shit, and uh, they're known as scatmans. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just thinking of a joke from earlier. Uh, you're just speaking to me absolute truths about the, the world we live in. But bats, rarely there are romantic uh, engagements mm. with, with, with bats. And I would like you to tell me how to, because the scale to think even, you know, maybe to get into TMI material, mm. how 
So I believe my paternal grandfather was was a bat. Baternal? Yes. He lived in Japan for most of his life. Uh, yeah. And uh, he, in fact, uh, spent uh, much of a post-war period in the town of, of Hiroshima, uh, where he was exposed to a lot of radiation. Now, uh, after he'd been living in the yeah. town for yeah. maybe maybe 10 years. And this is after it was evacuated. He was mm. just alone there yeah, in the he, wreckage. He, he was there. He oh, was, yeah, you are a famous family of lurkers. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, 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 half he, people. They never evacuated the bats from Hiroshima. Oh, right. So, yeah, yeah. So he, he, they he, always, they're always the last thought of, yeah. you know? He was part of the bat colony in Hiroshima. And as the years went by, he began to get more and more mutated by the low-level... Or actually, pretty high level uh, background radiation in the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like you're being classic Kiwi understatement yeah. to call. Yeah, you know, when I think of cities destroyed by by, <laughs> by by nuclear bombs, when I think of the hundreds of thousands of lives lost to to senseless violence, yeah. I think she'll be right. <laughs> oh, you know what, Hiroshima Nagasaki needed. Some number eight wire yeah. and a few spates. So he was a radioactive Batman in Hiroshima. And then one, one day he met a French woman who was wandering around the city. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you know, I've never seen the movie Hiroshima Monomore, so I cannot continue this bit. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, they met and fell in love. Oh, okay. That's great. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then uh, on my mother's side, it was a... Uh, uh, weirdly, the exact same thing. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy how that happens. Oh, okay. my, my, the exact same thing happened with my maternal grandfather, who was also, who's also a Japanese radioactive bat person. But a different one. But a different one. Oh, okay, cool, cool. They're, 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 they're from two different colonies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, they're, they're, great. They're from two competing Hiroshima bat colonies. <laughs> competing? The, 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 the Batulets <laughs> and the Montepats. <laughs> uh, okay. See, this, uh, this is why I don't do improv on the show. You, you're <laughs> always doing improv. Yeah, that's the thing. When, when you compare your improv... When you look at most improv, you go like, this, if anything, is too sensical. <laughs> yeah. If there's a word I'd describe well, like, improv if, with, it's linear. So if, if well, like, as we all know, if, if I was any Monty Python character, it's the Graham Chapman character who interrupts the sketches and, and complains that things are getting too silly. Uh, I know, I do. Or, uh, or I'm one of the fish-slapping guys. Uh, Finn, I mean... Our lives are us telling ourselves a story about yeah. our own lives, and I do not deny anything you've just said, but you do need to reflect on the amount of times you have been in a dank, hidden location, and then over some time crawled over a long distance before arriving at a camera, before saying, it's... No, no, you're right. I, <laughs> I am Mr. Creosote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so and now let's get on to the main event. Yeah, Finn, what have you seen this week? Oh, I've seen a lot of stuff this week. Yeah, I saw yeah. Killing Them Softly. Okay, great. The Andrew Dominic and movie. What What I've looked at this week is a man. That's right, I spied a man. <laughs> and that's all for this week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unchained sound. We'll see you next time when we'll be looking at other stuff. Uh, yeah, see you next year. <laughs> this is an annual podcast. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema 
and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 54 on the Sight and Sound list, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock's classic tale of a man realizing that, you know what, actually, Grace Kelly is attractive. <laughs> Our second film this week is Open Windows. Uh, maybe the best movie ever made about voyeurism? <laughs> The general structure, let's part the kimono. Mm. Let's see what is behind the scenes. So uh, the way we often record the show is we'll watch the films and then boom, straight into yeah. recording. Uh, and we watch the good film and then the bad film. And, and normally that's good, fresh in our minds. Mm. Sometimes for unspecified reasons, there'll be three weeks <laughs> in between. But that, <laughs> that, that's rare. It has created an issue this time in that our first film, Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock. Our first Hitchcock. Yeah. One of his best. Yes, uh, uh, I, I, I think that's probably my favorite of his films. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of really strong stuff in it to talk about. Mm. That, in my mind, is entirely overshadowed <laughs> by the f- by <laughs> Open Windows uh, and how that film ends, a thing we will not talk about on this podcast. Yeah, so we, like... <laughs> If if you've listened to us before, you, you'll you'll know that most of the time we will just spoil the endings of films. Yeah. So sometimes yeah, yeah. sometimes we'll say, "Hey, if you don't want to hear a spoiler, skip to a time code." There has been only one previous episode where we have talked about a movie with a twist, and we have explicitly said we will not talk about the twist. And that movie was Edward Yang's A Brighter Summer Day, which is currently at number one on my list of all the films we've watched as part of this podcast. Yes, yeah, which is yeah, which is like undeniably one of the best movies ever made. Oh yeah, and I, I, empirically, so. yeah, uh, it, uh, Open Windows is not that. No, but its twist is uh, incredible. Uh, uh, okay, and I just so I kind of like you should not listen to this podcast. You like th- this podcast will be great, and, and you know, two pretty easy breezy beautiful films. Uh, we just put out the three hours Suspiria Children of Men episode. I think this one will be under two. I yeah. think this episode will be about the same length as Open Windows. Go watch Open Windows, yeah, and like Ser- seriously do it. <laughs> and like, it, we'll, this, this, this is a movie that no one watched when it came out because it starred Sasha Gray. And yeah. and it was like starred and and was produced by Elijah Wood, the good son. Yeah, and for whatever reason, this movie uh, just did not hit with people at all. Understandably, in some ways, yeah. I mean, because... sure, it's 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 a weird movie. It was one of the first movies to do what is now known as screen life. Yeah, the genre of films where the entire film takes place on a on a computer screen. Um, also it... known as Netflix. Am I right? Ha ha. Oh woo woo woo. Okay, no, 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 explain that joke. I don't follow it. People, people watch Netflix on their computers? <laughs> uh, yeah, people yeah. watch almost everything on their computers now. Yeah, and I know. Like, and all, I am... All and, TVs are smart TVs. They're computers. Everything's a computer. What's a computer? Eat yourself fitter. But um, let us just pause on open windows. Let's try and keep it sane. But I do just, like, my mind is buzzing from 
Yeah, we we okay. Yeah, we, we, when when the twist happened in this movie, it is maybe the most excited either us have ever been watching one of the movies for this podcast. I, well, uh, yeah. Anyway, it was, it's, um, it's an amazing experience, and and he, he, even us telling you that there was a twist which we loved so much will probably dampen the twist for you. Uh, yes, but but please do it. Okay. So, Alfred Hitchcock, he's just made. Dial M for Murder, his 3D film. I've yeah. seen it in 3D. Uh, it's good. Watching it yeah. in 2D, you are like, why is there always something blocking the frame? And you're like, oh, because 3D. That's another one of my favorite Hitchcocks. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's, it, it, is, it is one of his play adaptations yeah. where you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he just shot the, you know, this is six weeks on two sets, you yeah. know? Um. But but as they were wrapping up that... It's part of his trilogy of movies about how Grace Kelly's really good to look at. Yeah, and I, I just... It, it's interesting that, that that's just not been really touched on mm. anywhere else in, in film yeah, and profane. It, it's, it's weird that I'm the first person to notice that Grace Kelly is very attractive. I think Alfred Hitchcock also noticed, but but he... You know, I, I think it was a real one direction, you don't know your beautiful situation. Yeah. I think Alfie Hitchcock said, like, Grace, Gracie, GK, G- Chesterton. G- 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 I was also going to do that. Can I call you Johnny Chess? <laughs> she said, no, why would you do that? <laughs> and then he called, all right, Chess Master, Kasparov, Cassie, Cassie from Skins. Casper. <laughs> Casper the Goat. Okay, Ghoulie. <laughs> Slimer, Slimer, come on. <laughs> All right, sl- Slimes, I have noticed you've been in many films across an international film star, but always dowdy. Have you always noticed that that when they dress you in jewels, spend hours putting sugar water, sugar syrup in your hair to set it into elaborate, shiny formations? The hair... And every, but everyone still says you're a bit down, dowdy. Even even after you spent at least half a decade now as the apotheosis of a beautiful, elegant woman on film, yeah. what's what's going on with this? Why does everyone keep casting you as someone so mousy? <laughs> and she and, and and she said, "Well, Hitch, Will Smith, <laughs> Smith and Weston, Wesson, Weston, Clint Eastwood, Eastwood, <laughs> Eastbound and Down, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr." <laughs> Iron Man, uh, uh, Manuel <laughs> Norega. <laughs> Wait, what, what did you say? Manuel Norega, I believe, tyrant. Yeah, but so what, what's the connection between him and Iron Man? Iron Man, man, Manuel <laughs> Norega. Faulty Towers. <laughs> yeah, so faulty. Yeah, and so, <laughs> and, so that's, and so that's the story of why Grace Kelly called Alfred Hitchcock Sybil and why Alfred Hitchcock called Grace Kelly Slimer. <laughs> Uh, anyway <laughs> so so this is open windows that set us off anything can happen hitchcock by this point hitchcock wasn't just making big films he was a brand yeah joe brand he was <laughs> <laughs> one of the leading lights of alternative comedy who who has somehow kept her subversive spark even as she ages gracefully. Joe Brand, incredible comedian. Good job. Thumbs up. Um, very, very good on panel shows. So, Alfred Hitchcock. So, yeah, he, he's a brand now. Yeah. Joe Brand. Uh, 
Had he started like Alfred Hitchcock Presents by this time? No. Okay. But uh, it's next year. Right, yeah. Uh, this comes out in 1954. Alfred Hitchcock Presents starts in 1955. Alfred right. Hitchcock Presents, a show he surprisingly directed quite a few episodes yeah. of. You think he would just, you know, just uh, spit him out? But it, but, but it, yes, he was already like a big director from the from like late twenties onwards. But, yeah. but it wasn't until you get into the fifties and he's doing his American Technicolor films that he becomes Alfred Hitchcock, and people start to associate him with like the like very specific type of film that he made for the rest of his career. Well, mostly. yeah, and and when you look at when you look at his filmography laid out, you can see. Uh, because uh, uh, fellow directed uh, shitloads of films. Yeah, he has something like 60 credited feature films on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, from... that'll include the shorts, though. There's a bunch mm. of silent shorts he did, which uh, I, I think kind of lost mm. uh, forever. But like the... <clears throat> and, and the early sound stuff and in, in early... Um, in, silent, in his silent works mm. were, were, were kind of... Like th- there was always a point of tension. He was always someone, yeah, uh, uh, who who was scopophilic, who mm. loved to look. Um, but the idea of like what an Alfred Hitchcock film is, kind of is codified by a lot of things that are in the one-two punch of Man Who Knew Too Much in thirty-four and thirty-nine steps, yeah, um, uh, in thirty-five and like like nineteen thirty-three was the last year he did not have a film out. Oh, wow. Um, where, when this came out in 1954. And, oh, no, there, he skipped 1952. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's because I believe I Confess was delayed for some reason. Like, right, it sh- yeah. he was at more than a film a year. Rear Window and Dial M for Murder came out in 54. He made um, a Dial M at the end of 53. And he shot this over over the holidays. It was right. just it was like November, December, January, and like that continued through to like the next break as he makes Psycho, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Then t- it took two years off to just ruin Tippi Hedren's life, yes. making the birds, and then that's when things get sparse. But like mm. we are now, we are at the center of like peak Hitchcock. Yeah, because after the birds, it's just like Marnie frenzy. I mean, Torn Curtain, Topaz, oh, and Family yeah, Plot. Yeah, yeah, and those, and that's between 1963 and 1976. Yeah, like there, there are five year gaps in there, if not more. Yeah. Oh no, there, there's a, there's one, there's one four year gap. Yeah. Anyway, um, and, and he's always worked quickly, and like, of course, like narratives have have shifted over time. And as much as like the current narrative is like, oh, at the time Alfred Hitchcock, everyone was like, ah, oh, this guy's just a hat, just churning out things, and now we think he's a genius, uh, is slightly uh, reductive. People mm-hmm. loved him, you know, at the time. I mean, yeah, he won Best Picture for Rebecca, yeah, and it was like forty one or forty two. But also, like a noteworthy, the noteworthy thing I guess about Rebecca is that Rebecca is in a lot of ways of peak Hitchcock the least Hitchcock. Yeah. yeah. You know? oh, no, like Trouble with Harry, things like that. Well, yeah. like, Trouble with Harry is a weird comedy. There are parts of it that feel very un-Hitchcockian, but it also feels sort of like his idea of what comedy is. Whereas Rebecca, that was the like baby of of, of David O. Selznick, the, the, the producer. 
Well, it is one of the rare projects in which the thing he is adapting, because Rebecca was and Dumarie mm. were like, they were big. Yeah. He, yeah. he was dealing with something almost as big as he was. He was almost not the star. And like, obviously he, he worked with stars, James Stewart's in Rear mm. Window and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. But in, in, in like mo- most of the rest of his career, when he is adapting a book or, or a play, it's something that's not particularly well known. Yeah, and like Vertigo is based on a like French pulp novel that no one cared about, and is not really like it at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Rear Window is an adaptation of it at that point twelve year old short story called "It Had to Be Murder" by Cornell Woolrich, mm. which like who who the fuck knows what that is? Yeah. He he was just kind of churning and looking for um uh, material and. and but the thing that has shifted I, over, over time is is that like Hitchcock at the time was seen as yeah Rebecca his big wins being for Rebecca even though of course he never won best director mm. um uh, uh, was that he and was and that's why David O Russell is a better director than Alfred Hitchcock I do heart Huckabees mm. yeah you 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 do spank the monkey there are four kings three kings yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the first piss that'll make it in? Probably. I've I, 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 I started saying piss as a note to myself to edit things out. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Just my life. Christ. Um, anyway. <clears throat> um, where was I? Uh, uh, it was that at the time he was seen, he was the suspense guy. He yeah. was, he was like, he wasn't. And uh, he like he was an auteur, but he was a brand in terms of like it being pulp and somewhat mm. B movie e. Yeah, they they were killer films, and like they were not actual B movies; they were A movies. But but you know, like like the way we look at kind of slightly trashy cinema now. Yeah, he was making genre movies. Yeah, even though they had massive stars, and he was a famous director. That's the sort of style he was he was working in, and and, and that's become less and less less and less of a barrier, mm. but to people appreciating his work yeah. even though i think it is interesting that, that the consensus agreed on masterpiece uh out of his films is vertigo hello hello not a place called vertigo and that is another one which is like it is a genre film but it is also the one that is the easiest to kind of read as a straight drama yeah as as a work of interiority um because it is not about you know investigating a murder. Or, or or something like that. And but anyway, as they, as they were wrapping up Dial M for Murder, um, they they were hard at work in in on the on the Paramount lot, building uh the biggest set known to man. It was like building six stories tall, four or five of them, sixty apartments total, eight to ten of which that were fully furnished, over like three thousand light bulbs. And, and like this whole film was filmed on set, this yeah. whole thing. And like it, 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 it looks at, and I believe it has always looked at, I don't yeah. think it's about looking at this film and going, ah, it looks, it looks fakey, but that's cause this film, um, is inherently very formalist in, in some ways. And I think that's the interesting connection between it and open windows in that like this is a very simple the story of rear window is very simple right yeah. there, there there's a photojournalist who broke his leg while out on assignment and now he's stuck at home and there's a heat wave and so everyone has their windows open 
and no one thinks to draw their curtains so he can just look in on all these people's lives there's there's an old couple that have a dog that they they pull up in a little picnic basket which is real real cute hope nothing happens to that dog now let me just take a big drink of water and use my memoir <laughs> anyway um uh there, there's a songwriter who, who who's, who's parties yeah the songwriter is played by a man called ross bagdasarian who uh is most famous for apart from appearing in this film for being the creator of elvin and the chipmunks yeah two equally great artistic achievements yeah if this film hadn't been made would jason lee even still have a career that is a bit like saying you know uh, if the zodiac killer wasn't made would would chinatown have been made no yeah would yeah. would jack nicholson have helped would 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 jack nicholson and roman Polanski have helped define like modern noir yeah oh so you are saying I, 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 yes i believe that and that's why the zodiac <laughs> killer is my favorite film i mean okay <laughs> Your zodiac, your you. The reason it's your favorite film is that it helped Roman Polanski do something involving Jack Nicholson. That's tr- like that is the thin edge yeah, of a, a short. Wedge. That's, that's that's the trifecta. Those are my three guys: the Zodiac killer, Roman Polanski, and Jack Nicholson. None of them have ever made a mistake. Looking in, he's a simple story. That's why I was going to tell it quickly. So looking in uh, on all of these houses, there's a woman who dances and bends and she and she takes her top off. Mm-hmm. Oh. The nickname that he's thought of for her is Miss Torso. We, uh, uh, I said to you while we were watching it, this this podcast generally has a role that you shouldn't know when in a film the director is masturbating. Yeah, that's like a mark against a film usually. And I think the thing is about this film is that that it is the exception to that rule and the answer is constantly. Yeah. Like, this is Alfred Hitchcock's <laughs> Spank Bank, the film. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure there are a lot of outtakes from, from, from this film, which actually were. Well, he never left James Stewart's flat while directing. They all had oh, okay. wireless earpieces in, so he could direct them from afar while watching them through big old cameras and telling them what to do. Like, like the movie open windows and, and, but it is just like the most, like you can, you can just be like, it is like, it's barely subtext that Alfred Hitchcock, like this film could be called Alfred Hitchcock presents. I like to watch no, like really, really. Yeah. And the like poster for the movie is like a woman's changing room. And just at the back, (laughs) you can see there's a hole in the wall of an eye through it. No, no, there's a portrait of Alfred Hitchcock, (laughs) but the eyes are cut out. And so is the penis. (laughs) Oh no, sorry. It's it's not cut out. It's just, it's just burst through. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, uh, 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 Anyway, simple story. Uh, and this guy if you've seen the simpsons you know it <laughs> uh, uh, and this guy jeff um uh, <laughs> L- lb jeffers yeah but he's called Je- uh, jeffy yeah but Jeff- he's Jeffries. called yeah, yeah. but he's, he's called jeff he he comes to believe that one of his neighbors has killed his wife and then mm. he's like i think he's killed his wife and him and his girlfriend lisa who who's uh, the comely grace kelly mm. uh, and his <laughs> and his nurse Stella, who uh who's just incredible she yeah. we, we uh the the introductory scene of course you know there's the, these long sweeping takes all the people living the lines in ends on james stewart but then come over uh, thelma ratter 
being like, oh, you're looking out that window so much, you'll start seeing something. I can tell the future. You've been looking too much, you might go crazy. Uh, I should have been a fortune teller, not a nurse for an insurance company. There. She's great. She's a great character. She's the skeptic. She never believes him. Stella, that is mm. the character we were speaking about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, uh, but eventually he convinces uh, uh, both Stella and Lisa, and they join him in investigating... Uh, like is he a murderer there's uh, all of the clues like there are more clues more mysterious mm. things happen terrible news if you like dogs yeah it dies there's uh, uh there's there's some setbacks <laughs> yeah there's some set forwards that, there's some spying <laughs> there's some lying yeah is there crying uh yeah there's lonely hearts oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah and then um and you know what? there's even a little bit of dying uh but eventually they catch him t- Tie dying. They're making groovy t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, Ty Sheridan's middle name. Ty Dian Sheridan. Like, no, he, that's all he had to talk about in the the press tour for Ready Player One. Yeah, but he said he wasn't just wasn't just coasting on his massive charisma. <laughs> Is that what you call it these days? Oh, <laughs> but my point, uh, and eventually they catch the guy who's uh, Lars Thorwald, played by Raymond Burr, yeah. uh, uh, is that he, uh, uh, they catch him and he did it. Yeah, he confesses the end. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it's very straightforward. You can understand how it was a short story. A short story I just found out where the twist at the end is that the lead character's leg is broken. Which, yeah. it, which is, who was the screenwriter of this? The screenwriter of this film was John Michael Hayes. Yeah, so they uh, very, very sensibly thought, what if that wasn't the twist? What if that was the premise? Yeah. Uh, John Michael Hayes, who this was the beginning of a run with Hitchcock uh, to catch Thief and the Trouble with Harry, which were Hitchcock's next two films, both written by him. Was the Trouble of Harry after this? Yeah, nineteen fifty-five. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's fifty-five. Right. I always, I, I always think it's fifty for some reason. Nineteen fifty was Stage Fright. Uh, yes. Yeah, with Marlena Dietrich, one of the I think thirteen movies I've watched where Marlena Dietrich plays a cabaret performer who seduces and destroys men. <laughs> Just gave a big enthusiastic thumbs up. Um. <clears throat> now you first. If you were going to rank the movies where Marlene Dietrich played a cabaret <laughs> no. performer who seduces and destroys men, what method would you use to rank them? Uh, doing something else. The way that I've chosen to rank them is uh, I've put them in order of how much I would let her character uh, ruin my life. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a simple story. Of, of course, <laughs> number one is uh, her character Concha Perez in 1935's The Devil is a Woman. For one of these characters that I'd be most able to uh, to to stop from uh, uh, from uh, uh, absolutely ruining me through my my own uh, base uh, desires would of course be her character of Erica von Schuldertau in Billy Wilder's A Foreign Affair. So it's a simple story. <laughs> you can tell it's adapted from a short story. Uh, you can see how linear it would be. But what like Hitchcock is someone who 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 loves to put himself under constraints, mm. loves to constrain other people. Lifeboat. All in one lifeboat, rope, all so, like designed to look like it's in as few takes as possible. Yeah. Uh, all the, in one apartment. The, 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 the last half of the birds takes place in one house, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Psycho is, is entirely in one shower cubicle. Yep. Uh, and and f- frenzy is all, it's all in a frenzy. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and, and where whereas this is in many ways his most yeah. constrained film, except for of course North by Northwest, which is all done in that one rear screen projection booth. So yeah, this is his <laughs> most restrained <laughs> film in so many ways, and that there there are loads of rules mm. in it. Almost every shot is shot like it is from uh, uh, J- Jimmy Stewart's uh, flat. Yeah, uh, every um, you you, we, you there are like two two like essentially two camera angles. You are either looking out his window or looking from his window in at him yeah. and the people in the room, and like at, at points it builds to subvert that. But those are like uh, it all noises entirely diegetic, um, with the exception of like introductory fanfare of like yeah. the first two shots. The only music we hear in the film is the radio that's playing in Miss Torso's apartment, where she's uh, doing her dancing practice, and the music that Ross Bagdasarian is playing in, in in his apartment. And as the camera moves from apartment to apartment, the sound that's being focused on uh, changes. And yeah, yeah, it's all about putting you inside Jim, Jimmy Stewart's perspective. But for much of it, so much of the meat of the story is in him looking into places where he can't hear what people are saying or can't quite make out uh, what people are doing and why. Um, And it is through rigorously laying out and exploring those rules that, that Hitchcock turns a short story into, you know, number 49. On the B-Fi's top 100 uh, list? F- f- 54. 54. I, I don't think really... <laughs> it is the reason we seem insane. <laughs> it's because Open Window <laughs> has, like... You know when you feel absolutely energized by, like, a new piece of work or, like... Yeah. You know when you hang out with a friend for the first time in ages and your brain is just, like, firing with energy? It is... And now, at least for me, uh, 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 it feels impossible to reject any possible stimulus. (laughs) The reason it keeps sounding like we've just finished laughing is because there are 10-minute chunks of this podcast you're not hearing. Because they are, like... They're not nonsensical. They're, like, drivel. (laughs) They're word salad. (laughs) Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping that the one where we where where we started off saying Grace Kelly and Albert Hitchcock's names and then ended up just doing yeah no, like, that's it yeah ended up doing like four minutes of words you know? oh, great so. yeah yeah because that was good stuff um <laughs> um Rear Window is not my favorite Hitchcock mm. I I think Vertigo is okay um. Uh, but I like Vertigo not because it is the least Hitchcock film, but because I think in many ways it is uh, the most. It mm. is just about the direction in which uh, he points yeah. the red. Like the, like the, 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 uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that when we get to Vertigo. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is, I think, the movie of his that I've seen the most now. Actually, I think it's probably tied with Psycho. I've now seen both of them three times. For someone who I don't think of as one of my favorite directors. I've seen more of his films than any other director, and I've seen them a lot of times. Even though Hitchcock isn't someone who I like, who who, who I love on the same level that a lot of film I, people do. I admire he, his work more than I love it. Yeah. yeah. His films are sort of just like undeniably, incredibly watchable. Yeah, no, they... They, they, they just work. And they look incredible, and they're filled with they're filled with stars. Well, they all go down smooth. Um, yeah. The first half of watching 
I was about to call it Alfred Hitchcock's I Like to Watch. <laughs> Rear window. Um, uh, uh, we talked maybe the most we've ever spoken while watching a film mm. here. And I think part of that is that we, we've both seen the film multiple times. And part of that is that you can still like his, his trust of the visual. I do not believe we missed anything. And obviously the film is better if, if you're silent and reverent. Yeah. You know what and I like mean? The last time I saw Rear Window was last year when I got to see it in the theater, which is how you should see this movie. Even if you're watching this on a laptop, it works and it's great. But yeah. like, you, you, you kind of need to see it in a theater. Well, it is a film made for big screens and, yeah. la- and, and, and loud <laughs> noises. <laughs> big speakers. I remember someone talking about being in a film class and their professor asking them, who here has seen Rear Window? And, you know, most people put their hands up like, yeah, yeah, I've seen Rear Window. And he says, who's seen Rear Window in the theater? And all people put their hands down. He's like, okay, you haven't seen Rear Window then. I mean, he takes them to a theater and he shows from Rear Window. And the moment where Lars Forwald looks directly into the camera. Yeah, because he's seen Jimmy Stewart. He's seen you. Yeah. yeah. When that moment happened, even though everyone had seen this movie before, the entire audience just like flinched. Yeah. Like it, it is... It, it's one of those moments like Kansbeck getting the M on his back or any moment from A Brighter Summer Day where it's like, oh, this is one of the defining moments of cinema. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, that meat hut rat- rattling on yeah, the table yeah. in Suspiria 2018. Euphra has just informed me that, that that story was from Dan McCoy, <laughs> host of The Flophouse. Yeah. Go listen to The Flophouse. It's uh, better than this. I, I guarantee you. Oh, but like... First... Please, like, we don't diss our podcast to its face. Saying that the flop house is better than this isn't saying that this is bad. Uh, yeah, yes it is. Because I don't rate the flop house. <laughs> the flop house has only brought me countless hundreds of hours yeah. uh, uh, of joy and pleasure and, and some of the, 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 the tightest and most meticulous parasocial bonds <laughs> that, that I feel deep and dank in my broken heart. Same. Yeah, Rear Window is not my favorite Hitchcock, mm. but it is not far from the top of yeah. the list. And like, whether it is second place is, for me, a debate about Psycho. Um, right, yeah. Whether Psycho is, uh, uh, you know, the Silence of the Lambs debate about Psycho, which is that, like, is it acceptable? You know? Mm. Um, uh, in, in, in which I am very aware that, I cannot really speak to and so should probably just be like nah fuck it anyway we'll see that next year sometime yeah uh, uh, when we talk about it I will own it on Blu-ray at that point though so you know well, I've already got a, a pretty sweet uh, 50th anniversary DVD of it so oh, yeah um any who uh, but I but I do love Rear Window yeah and, and but I don't love anything about the story or characters of Rear Window. When I love films, uh, I kind of I love what they're saying mm. or who they're showing me to, uh, or or what they are revealing about myself. And Rear Window is a rare film that I love almost entirely as a technical achievement. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and that can be boiled down to the fact that 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 old. <laughs> Uh, uh, he's not Slimer. What's his name? Gooley? Uh, 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 Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his, 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 his name was Sybil. Sybil. <laughs> that, um, that Sybil takes, uh, this short story, uh, throws loads of studio money at it. But then within that builds this incredibly complicated game, uh, of diegetic sound of we can only look in two directions. Yeah. Like, 
so much of the action in, in, in the Thorwald, Thorwald, yeah. yeah. the Thorwald apartment is from essentially one angle because that's how. Uh, yeah, because uh, that's all, all you can see. Yeah, because that's what Jeff can see. And he takes all of that, and it should be this just incredibly schematic film. This this film that is, you know, less a story than it is a diagram or yeah, a like, set of rules. Yeah, there are tons of people who have done, who, who have done like remakes or knockoffs of Rear Window, and they are all just like kind of going through the plot. Yeah. Which is the least important thing about it. Well, yeah, the, the joke is true. It's just like, if you want the plot, watch the Simpsons parody. Yeah. Like, like actually. Um, and, and what, but he, but you don't see any of it. What you see is this murder mystery. When you're, when you watch the film for the first time, you're not like, ah, oh, we have never seen him against the window. Yeah. It is just that when you get that shot of, of Thorwald coming into his apartment, and so for the first time you see Jimmy Stewart against the window, you're like, this is wrong. This is fucking strange and weird and horrifying. And then it is later when you're like, oh, it's because we've never seen him in the window. Yeah. He's always been looking at, and so it is that, it is kind of, you know, Vertigo I love kind of for it, for its thematic, Vertigo I love kind of for how much it hates Alfred Hitchcock. I think that is a film about hating himself, uh, and that's good. I love work about people hating themselves. And if you like work about people hating yourself, see my hour of stand-up comedy in the Fringe Festivals next year. It's going to be called By Furious, or Euthydine is By Furious. Uh, um, and its theme is that I hate myself. Not a joke. Please come. I'm starting promotion now because I... And I'm a real commercial risk, uh, and I just cannot emotionally afford to lose more money on my comedy career. Anyway, um, and so it, 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 it is not like, there's so much craft in Vertigo, there's so much craft in all of his films, but this is the one where I think it lands. Like, like Rope is kind of the film that's all in long one is. Lifeboat yeah. is kind of the film that is all about people on it on a flipping yeah, it's, it's boat, all, you know? all, all one location. Dial M for Murder is all about just a, a broken telephone. <laughs> I like. I have to look up the names of all the characters in this. Like, I could tell you Jimmy Stewart, Raymond Burr, and Grace Kelly are in it. Yeah, but I don't. I don't love the and characters. Ross Begdasarian. <laughs> Sorry, I for, uh, forgot I'm with the <laughs> cartoon creators from Armenia fan club of president. <laughs> yep. Oh, they were a they were a novelty musical act first yes. before they were a cartoon. Correct. So, uh, sorry, don't send leaders in. Um, yeah, he 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 was the first person to have the idea of what if we played a song at a slightly weird speed, and uh, and and brand it with cartoon animals, and then uh, then he became very very rich. Everyone knows the plot of Rear Window, uh, but oh, I do want to say that like when they finally. So it is like, yeah, and and, and, and Hitchcock understands that you build these rules, the audience will understand them without knowing them. Mm. And so it is like uh, uh, the the point where the dog dies is the first time the camera goes to an angle that isn't conceivably from his right, window. Yeah. And so that's how you feel the weight of that moment. Yeah. And then when you get an angle very at the end looking from another window at him hanging out of it. Yeah, it, it is like, and I don't, and I think we have, I think a lot of modern filmmaking 
is about people establishing patterns and then repeating them and slightly altering them. People attempt to develop rules and then, you know, they always feel they have to subvert them. And this is kind of, I think, like not the original text, but it is so much the core text yeah. of that. And like we'll see it when we get to, we'll talk about when we get to open windows. But but anyway, that that is that is, he sets the rules so he can break them. Yeah, and so and so that when he breaks them, it it, it feels like something has broken. Yeah, uh, it fucking matters. And, and it looks gorgeous. Like it is. It's yeah. His fifties Technicolor films are some of my favorite looking films of all time. I love that sort of color in films, and I'm uh, so sad we do not get films that look like that anymore. I mean, we could, but yeah, but but it's expensive and probably wouldn't be super commercially viable because people think it looks fake. Well, and it is it is the thing of of emulating it is so possible. Hmm. You know, there'll be lots lookup tables all over the internet to to simulate it. Yeah. But it is, it's so unnatural. His eyes are so blue. Their skins are so bronzed. He, he, it's like the, de- in some ways, like the definitional teal and gold aesthetic, uh, is, is Hitchcock films of this era. Um, and it is, um, it has, that has been so co opted by, by, by equally disposable but more harmful cinema. Like the problem, with making films that look like that now isn't that they don't it it's that uh, that's what transformers looks like you know is it though like if you oh, if you broke it down on like compositionally no and, and there's there's the film grain if there is any is artificial mm. but like if you took a color table to them yes mm. yeah no like but like you well, like I've- like I guess I've got to go watch Revenge of the Fallen then. No, but like, it, it is also, you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. right? So, I think it's sound. You think it's sound. I do. I, I think most people agree that it is sound. Yeah. Oh, like, you're like, if you're listening to this, you've fucking seen Rear Window. But like, go, go, it's, a, it's, it's a hoot. Yeah, if, if it's been a while, go watch it again. Yeah. On Letterboxd, there's a user, Morgan. Oh. Classic Morgie. Love Morgan. Do you know what Morgan does not love? Uh, what? They don't love Rear Window. What? Come on. Half a star. Oh, Morgo. Morgoth. So, I know I use Letterboxd as a joke, but I used to take a film class when I was in middle school, and I actually quite enjoyed it, but we did a unit on Hitchcock. Showing uh, Hitchcock to middle schoolers is... Possibly why America has such an epidemic of violence. Um, and actually quite enjoyed it. But we did a unit on Hitchcock, which has to have been the worst unit I've ever had to take part in. Mainly because of this movie. It took three painstaking days, uh, presumably they mean literally 72 mm. hours, to go through this film in class. And I was close to falling asleep the whole time. I swear I paid attention, but I literally don't remember a single thing that happened. I was bored as shit and was trying so hard to enjoy it, but I can't do this to myself. I really can't. I'm only giving it the half star to give it the benefit of the doubt because I'm going to be honest, I don't think me and the rest of you all have watched the same movie. Well, the thing I like about that is uh, how well-reasoned it was. Yeah. I know exactly what about the movie uh, they they didn't enjoy, and uh, there's a lot of insight contained in that. So, do you want to guess what their 
Oh, I've just noticed here that Morgan has their location tagged as your mom. Ah, wow. Okay, here is... So, do you want to guess what Morgan's top four oh, films I'd, on Letterboxd I'd, I'd love to. Is one of them Wally? No. One is, I've not seen it, but the, it, it, it's what, like, just purely looking at it, it's from the same era. Yeah. Um, and I'd call it kind of low-rent Wally. Uh... It's animated? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which animation studio is it from? I, I think just core, you've seen it. Um, it just core Disney. It is a, it's, okay. yeah, it's a Walt Disney animation studios. Right. It's uh, not, it's not about a robot. Right. It's not big hero sick. Hey, I, I have a very bad memory for those sorts of movies. It's, it's like, it's, it's aesthetically that I think it's like Wally. Yeah. Its title is an instruction. And if you changed an E to an A, it would be about how bodies are meat. Okay, mm. I'll give you some of the voices. Right. Cast. Tom Selleck. Angela Bassett. Oh, this was the period where they were using actual animation voices. You know, Tom Kenny. Right. The Disney movie with Tom Selleck and Angela Bassett. Are they, are they the leads? No. No. No, no. The leads. The, 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 the leads give it away? No, no, no. The the leads are like genuinely. Oh. No, no, no. Tom Selleck is the lead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and well, he, yeah, he's one of them. The it's a family. It's about a family. I this this is just not in my brain right now. Meet the Robinsons. Oh, yeah, I've seen Meet the Robinsons. There's another animation on here. I think this one is on more people's top fours. It's an adaptation of a book. Is it also Disney? No, no, no. I, it might have been released in America by Disney. I don't know if it was okay. during is, that is, era. Is it, is it a Ghibli? Yeah. Right. Uh, is, is it a Miyazaki? I mean, yes. Is it a Goro Miyazaki? I'm not going to give you... Is it Tales of Earthsea? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, no, no, no. This is... And like Tales of Earthsea is... It's fine. No, no, no. It, this is this is good. Okay. Uh, but like you're you're surprisingly close. Oh, to right, Tales uh, Hell, Hell's Moving Castle. Ding. Yeah. Uh, uh, I always forget it's based on a book. Uh, the next one, not adapted from a book, it is the second or fifth mm. or like seventh entry in a film series, depending on what films you count in and what order. Uh, uh, is, is it uh, is it Halloween 2018? No. Uh, is is it uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift? No, uh, one of the very uh, very early digital film. Very early digital film. Oh, Collateral. No, I would say this film is. You know how Collateral uh, is a film that that survives and runs on the chemistry between those two leads. Yeah, uh, I think this film is the exact opposite of that. Fast and Furious One. <laughs> Fast and Furious One is not. Oh, no, no, no. Um, is is it a Pirates of the Caribbean? No, no. You're thinking small. Uh, so is, is, I is, is, really is, thought so my, this this is early two, this is like early two thousands. Yeah, I and it is the second, fifth, or seventh, depending on how you count what in what order right. and what films you count. I just thought I think that you know, alone no, it, yeah, it seems away. it seems like it should be obvious. Yeah, it, it's something I've seen. You haven't logged it on Letterboxd. Right. Have you? No, you have. You have. Oh, I have? Okay. No, yeah, no rating. Yeah, so it was probably something I saw years ago. Yeah. Is it a superhero film? 
like no, okay. but I would argue, like the answer to your question is no, right? But like I would argue yes. Do you want the non-obvious actors? Yeah, Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne, okay. Uh, Silas Carson, the voice of the Ood. Oh right. Alan Rusko is the main monster. Okay, so this is from England. It was shot in England. Shot in I England, believe. right? Was it? I think this was shot in Australia. Oh, oh the oh, film it is a sequel oh, to was shot in England. Oh, uh, it's it, it's it's a it's a Star War. But which one? Is Roseburn in Attack of the Clones? Ding! Yeah. Okay, and the last one is I have been debating whether to call it my favorite film on the list. I do love Howl's Moving Castle, <laughs> but I have a spe- like, I think this film is legitimately good. I think this film has undergone quite a lot of stealth rehabilitation. People mm. liked it at the time. Uh, it's it, it's a legal thriller from 2001. Uh, Victor Garber. Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, Holland Taylor, Linda Cardellini, mm-hmm. Raquel Welsh, a set at a university. Uh, has the word legal in its title. Is it? <laughs> Boston legal. No. Barely legal. No. Starts with legal. Uh, legal eagle. Getting closer. Legal by the dozen. No. Have you seen this film? You have seen this film. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I haven't told you the lead. Ellie Larter is in it. Oh, yeah, from uh, uh, from from Obsessed. Yeah. Giselba. Greg Serrano. Mooney plays Bruiser, the dog. This is the film I learnt about, like, how you shouldn't shower with a perm. I have no recollection of this. Uh, Robert Lukatik, the director. A recent musical on both Broadway and the West End that people have liked. Uh, there's a sequel. Oh, I was le- legally blonde. Yeah. All right. Right. Jesus. There you go. God. The the uh, the the other film we watched this week was Open Windows by Nacho Vigalando. Yeah. Who is a Spanish filmmaker who uh, made made a lot of uh, short films in Spain before he made his breakout film Time Crimes. Yeah. Uh, which which is a, a time travel uh, murder mystery uh, sort of like horror inflected uh, movie which I haven't seen but I've heard is really good and it's on shutter and I've been, I've been meaning to get to it for ages. Yeah, that's one of those kind of uh, kind of slightly grindhouse, uh, like uh, people yeah. love it. People yeah. who love uh, bad horror lo- love it. Yeah, it, you it, know? it was like a, it was sort of like a, a, a like post-primer, low-budget uh, time, time travel thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then uh, uh, that, that, that was all of his international breakout his next major thing was uh, he 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 did, he did one of the shorts for uh, he did one of the shorts for the ABCs of Death, uh, which was a horror anthology. He did another short for a horror anthology called The Profane Exhibit, which has uh, uh, which uh, which has such directors as Ruggiero Diodato, the guy who directed Cannibal Holocaust, and uh, Uwe Boll. Those are the two most prominent uh, people in it. I've never heard of the rest of his directors apart from apart from him. I'm guessing it was Time Crimes and ABCs of Death got him noticed by, by Elijah Wood and Spectrovision. Yeah, and they came to him, it seems, saying, make us an internet thriller, possibly make us a screen life thriller. Mm. This is this is a film that takes place entirely, you know, on uh, Windows open uh, on, on a laptop. Yeah. And he wrote it uh, and um, made it with, uh, oh, can I just say, just now, 
as we will say repeatedly, as we probably said at the beginning, if I cut it or not, uh, just go watch this film. We are about to talk about how most of it is actually pretty boring and rote, but the ending destroyed our minds. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, the ending is spoiled without tags on its Wikipedia page. Do not look up, like, the end. In- yeah. Yeah. And not in the plot section. Just don't go. Yeah. You know? It is, this is a film where incidental production details can ruin the film. Uh, that's like Mr. Robot in that way. Yeah. Uh, as you know, you love Mr. Robot, right? Yeah, what, what, watched every episode. Yeah. Some of the what do you think times. of the VR experience? <sighs> what did I think of it? What didn't I think of it? I, I was just re- nice to revisit those characters and, and you know, in the lull between season yep. one and, and season two and really put a perspective on the th- the threats that Elliot faces. Exactly. Um, it's good to find out what all the sensates are up to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. Um, uh, it stars, yeah, Elijah Wood from uh, Back to the Future 2. Yeah, it stars and is produced by Elijah Wood because uh, after he did the Lord of the Rings movies and got all the money that anyone would ever need, yeah. he and said... And then was like, I need to be in an all-time... Like, those films are good, they're genre films. I need to be in a five-star all-time, maybe top ten out of films ever filmed so he was in eternal sunshine of the spotless yeah. mind he, he uh, was in uh, sin city another perfect film <laughs> oh, if there's one thing i could say about sin city no flubs <laughs> no flubs and, and then like he just rounded it out him and robert rodriguez have a golden touch so of course he he's in spike right, kids yes. 3d game over um yeah and, and yeah and so and that's the like when people talk about uh, uh, Elijah Wood's golden trilogy, yeah. the great trilogy of films he was in. They're talking about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Sin City, and Spy Kids 3D Game Over. Yeah, and may- maybe sometimes they're talking about the trust with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Which is a, a, another uh, sort of good movie. <laughs> but after he did the Lord of the Rings movies, he was like, what I like is weird low-budget horror movies. And now that I have all the money, I'm going to produce and star in those. Yeah. Uh, which is great. I love that he's doing that. He's produced a lot of really good movies. He produced Mandy, uh, which I which I, which I uh, absolutely love. Yeah. He produced A Girl with Home Alone at Night, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is good. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, he, he, uh, he uh, yeah, his, his company also produced the, the other Nicolas Cage one, uh, The Color Out of Space. Which is a good film made by a, a bad guy. By a bad guy, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no, what's his name? R- Richard R- 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 Richard Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, Richard Shitfuck. But also, um, Daniel Isn't Real, The yeah. Greasy Strangler. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's, that, that's what I've been meaning to say. I've... I've I've, I've I've heard greasy I've heard good things about the greasy strangler. Uh, uh, and they made a transference, which is a VR video game that right. um, I have heard VR aficionados say is quite good. Um, uh, 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 as as the villain of the film, as Cord, uh, is Neil Maskell, who is kind of a, a working everyman British actor. He's in. Uh, he's one of the the rare white faces in. Um, and small acts. And small acts. He's one of Ben Wheatley's uh, as like stable of actors. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he in some ways kind of feels like Ben Wheatley's Anton Donnell. Right, right. Uh, uh, except that I'm not at any w- in any way <laughs> accusing Ben Wheatley of having performed the acts Neil Maskell does in <laughs> Ben Wheatley films. 
uh, you know, I, I love New Mexico. And, and if I was to logline this film, if I was to sell it to you, it would, uh, I'd say like, imagine Elijah Wood and Neil Maskell. They both like, they're, they're very different physically, mm. but you could see them as two obsessive fans. Yes. Like they're the two different kinds of like greasy men, greasy internet person. Um, and I'm um, so imagine if there's a film where they are kind of in concert and then in conflict stalking a a a an uh, a film star uh, played by Sasha Gray who has acted in many different kinds of films and is an incredible feminist advocate and uh, and and, and uh, you, you used to be a member of of an industrial metal band. I think she isn't she still a uh, member? No, I, I, I think the band's broken up now. Yeah, she 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 is an advocate. Uh, for for lots of like avant-garde cinema, if yeah. You, uh, uh, she's worked with Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, and, she seems seems like a cool person. And, and uh, she began her career in 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 pornography, yeah. and, and like all sex work, is very quickly reduced to just being that. Uh, yeah. And like this was, <laughs> this is the first of her. <laughs> I presume non-pornographic films I've seen. Like the only reason I say that is, um, so I'm not. I'm not trying to be like oh, I've never seen porn. Like I just genuinely <laughs> like I haven't seen her in no, like you know what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> sure it yeah. is so hard to express. This is the first time I've seen Sasha Gray not in porn, and and also like I don't know if I've seen her in porn, but also like it is. It's fine that she was in there. I just don't. Do you understand the situation I'm in, Finn? He's zipping his mouth. Great. So now this podcast can just be 100% me more than like 70% as it usually is. I think the funnier thing to do would have been to like mime handing you a shuffle. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think it's a funny observation to make yeah. about, about that, that yeah, very specific yeah. set of traps. And like, yeah, this is the, <laughs> the first uh, 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 clothed film I, I believe I have seen mm. her in. And right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I was planning on waking up early this morning to watch the Steven Soderbergh movie The Girlfriend Experience, which she is the star of, but uh, then I uh, went back to sleep for two hours after my alarm, so I uh, couldn't do that. So, yeah, so this film is all Elijah Wood's laptop screen. He, yep. he He's a big fan uh, of of the actress, what's her name? Uh, her, 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 her character's called Jill Goddard. Yeah, and, and she is in, oh, what is the name? Uh, she, 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 she is in the movie... Uh, dark sky colon the third wave <laughs> yeah uh yeah she, she she she's like a b-movie horror actress and uh the 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 the, the film opens with a scene uh from 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 like a teaser for, 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 for this movie and it looks uh uh very it looks it looks pretty fun uh, yeah uh, it... and, and uh when we started playing the movie the video and audio were out of sync by like a lot and so it looked like they were doing a joke about this movie being dubbed really badly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the rest of the movie started and it was still like that. And we were like, oh, okay, no. Uh, uh, but yeah, he is, uh, they are at the big promo launch for the film. Yeah. I think it's Fantastic Fest. Uh, yes. No, yes, it is. There's yeah. a Fantastic uh, Fest. Anyway, uh, um, but, uh, and Elijah Wood has won a, a, a competition yeah. to, to have dinner with her and interview her. He runs a website, which is just, it's, Seems to be just one page, just of screen caps from her films. And it, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, do you remember what the website is called? Yeah, but you say it. The, the, this, this website is called jillgoddardcourt.com. <laughs> Hyphen court. Yeah. And um, it's, 
And yeah, it, it's a website where he finds paparazzi photos of her or takes yeah. like screen caps from live streams and just posts them on his website. And it is deep, uh, deeply troubling. I mean, yeah. Which, you... which, which, which is like, that, that, that's sort of what I thought the whole movie was going to be about. Like this idea of like an like overly obsessive internet stalker who, who, who like gets a chance to meet the woman that he's obsessed with and then uh, weird and bad stuff starts happening. And like that's what the movie wants you to think it's going to be, so that it can be, so that it can then be not that. Well, it, uh, yeah, and and what is it? Who knows? Question mark exclamation mark. Uh, it's 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 a sequence of images. Um, uh, but quickly he is contacted by a uh, a uh, um, uh, a mysterious person called Cord, yeah. who's like she cancelled on you. Actually, you know, she's just mocking you. L- let's set up a video camera to to watch her sleep with her agent. Yeah, yeah, she like she 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 she's just like a she's just like a cokehead bitch who who hates her fans. Um and and, and this is so he 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 has an extra video camera on him of course, which of course streams <laughs> live. Well, I think he plugs it into his computer at some point. But there, when he sits it up by the window, it's not plugged in. It is just streaming right, sure. over Wi-Fi. Yeah. I'm just saying, oh, the battery and processor on this laptop, there must be a discrete video card as well. Yeah. Like, that thing would be running hot. He sets it down on so many surfaces. And I think this film, I would give this film five out of five if there was just a sizzle noise. Because how many streams of so video you, were running you, on this? Do you remember how he, how, he got the, how he got the video camera? No, it was already in the room. The video camera he's using at the beginning, which he uses to record a video message to send to Jill to introduce himself. Yeah, and, and, and under the title, Exposition, Introduce Character, Please. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, it's... But so, when he's contacted by Cord and Cord's like, oh, have you got a video camera? He holds the camera up in frame and says... Yeah, I got it from reception. Oh, yeah, they gave it to me at reception. Yeah, they they gave it to right. me at reception. But that is the first sign that not all is well. Yeah, but uh, some, some, there's a lot of stuff in this movie which seems uh, like weird bullshit that doesn't make sense, which... Uh, at, it, no, at, no, 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 no. Well, no. It seems is the only word I disagree with sure, you Sure, but like at, at, at the end of the movie, like when the twists have happened, you could be like, okay, I get... like. It it does make sense why this had happened, but yeah, within the logic of the film, but the logic of the film is still crazy. It is still this is a world of magic hackers, yeah. who can send. Well, so like, Cord sends him a link that he clicks, and they've hacked into her phone. They can yeah. watch a live stream from her phone. Um, they 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 can they can GPS track anything, and that includes incredibly high fidelity three D wireframe models. Uh, uh, of where things well, are because because he's got a bag full of cameras and when you have all these cameras together you can use them to create a 3d environment i know but <laughs> like yes yeah but but it's have have you never seen uh the dark knight like it's basically that yeah like but but less fascist than that you keep but like that is the point like that is the point yeah, yeah. and that's how they have to destroy it yeah but like that Anyway, uh, uh, no, Finn, okay. Welcome to Shine and Sound. It's a Dark Knight podcast. We are the only film podcast about how the Dark Knight is good, actually. Yeah. This week you were telling me why Batman has good politics, actually. <laughs> this plane, it's going down and there's only one reason. <gasps> Crashing this plane. Uh, anyway, Bane, what are you doing here? Just hanging out. I'm asking the grouch. For... Anyway. So, like... Having a stroke. So when when people were like, "Oh, you know, if Batman actually cared about solving problems, he'd invest money in schools and infrastructure." 
And you're like, sure, but that movie sounds boring. <laughs> I want to see a movie where a Batman fights people, because that's cinematic and interesting. I would just say that uh, a movie where a billionaire selflessly uses his money in rational and, uh, and, and pragmatic ways to help as many people as possible is less realistic than one where a billionaire <laughs> uses money to make a bat suit to kill people. Yeah, as much as I hate that we're in this tangent, I, wa- I want to cap it out with... with- with the this terrible film podcast thought, which is just such a parody, but I absolutely believe that the <laughs> yes, yes, all the good Batman films are inherently skeptical of Batman as a concept. Yeah, that's like the 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 reason the Schumacher films are worse than the Burton films isn't because they're camp. That part of them is better. It is that they think Batman is a good idea. Whereas, like, Burton made two films about how actually this guy is really fucked up. Yeah. Christopher Nolan. Uh, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> God, now we can get back to good film podcast <laughs> business. So, uh, uh, this essentially straight to Blu-ray 2014 horror film. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and, but quickly, like, he, he, he's fought that. Well, um, you, you say quickly, it is immediately. <laughs> There is roughly two minutes of Cord helping Elijah with. There's a security camera above the table she's sitting at at the, at the convention, so you can you can look down her shirt and and you can take screen caps of that to, for your website. And yeah. Elijah Wood's like, oh, okay, and he does, he does. Um, and, but then about forty five seconds after that, he's like, oh wait, no, you're a crazy person who's evil. And he's like, yes, no, I am. but like it, it, there is. Uh, so they spy on her, maybe having an affair with Nick. who's her agent who's her agent but then nick notices and then comes to get elijah wood and cord sets it up so that nick tases the agent yeah uh, the the agent and and and, and is caught on video tasering him and you get the sense and like in that moment i'm like okay i get what this film is this film is about things just getting weirder and more fucked up Mm. in this room but then no quickly he has to you have to run and he's like no no but take the laptop take, with you uh, put, put put everything else under the bed but take the laptop and run around this hotel now uh and, and so there there there's chases through that a lot of this film has elijah wood in a car yeah uh, um you know going to her house there are like hanukkah inflected scenes of watching sasha gray in her home uh through surveillance and, yeah, and there's like a 10 minute long sequence where it seems like the movie is about to turn into a slasher where 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 the bad guy is inside the house and he's got yeah. a knife and he's going to kill her unless Elijah Wood uh, like does specific stuff. But but no, uh, that that escalates. That, that turns out to be a ruse. <laughs> it turns out to be a ruse, and then there's more like switching and double. And some of the footage was pre-recorded, and then a SWAT yeah. team turns up. But there, then the the house explodes, and yeah. then it's and, a and, car chase. And, and Sasha and, Gray's being kidnapped by the bad guy now. This slasher sequence is, I think, the scene that the movie was sold on. Well, and it is because because this is the bit where it's like there's a killer in the house, and he's got Sasha Gray on the on the webcam, and he's talking to. Stormy Elijah Wood and making her like tell her to take her clothes off, otherwise it'll torture her boyfriend and stuff. Yeah, this is like the, 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 this is like the only point where the film kind of is as sleazy as it seems like it will be from the marketing. Yeah, and it, this is the bit where we, we spent a lot of this being like, okay, so we get what kind of film this is. Yeah. We obviously there is going to be a twist. Yeah, obviously X is working with Y. Obviously Z knows more about. A and that A is probably secretly Y, yeah. or or that that Z 
and B together are A. Yeah, we, you know? we, we, we predicted a bunch of different twists and, and uh, we've never been more wrong. <laughs> no, but all, like also, <laughs> like, but that is like the mistake we made was thinking that this was a linear film yes. that, that builds ideas in a coherent way when what it is is it is a rolling ball of stuff that that quickly and like you can tell he comes from short films yeah because he is like like the first 20 minutes it's a guy hotel room hacking surveillance terrifying now you're being chased and you're on your laptop through a building that 20 minutes now a chase in a car now slash of and then and then the film kind of just gets more more and more berserk mm. uh, and it in a way that like the the ending is, I think, in many ways worth the... Because this film's issue, which, rela- like, as I said, Rear Window's success to me is that its mechanics so quickly become transparent until they break. Mm. Uh, in this, you are never, at least for me, you're never not aware of... You feel the film straining to justify staying on the on the computer screen yes. so it is like like the first time you kind of cut to, to another angle is when he picks up the video camera to shoot himself and when the camera turns on it's pointed at him and you're just like oh you just you didn't know how to get an establishing shot and so and then elijah wood picks it up and goes oh sorry uh i had to i had to pick it up i wasn't ready you can mm. cut that out and you're just like no now you're just flagging it and so much of the yeah. film is that in the same way that rear window makes its craft almost totally invisible, even when it's like an incredibly stylized film. The, the, this film is incredibly stylized, and you notice the stylization at every single moment. And, and it, like, it, it does, I think, some really good stuff with it at certain points. Oh, it is. Cord has yeah a bag of what they call ping pong ball cams, which are small webcams, yeah. the, the size of ping pong balls. Uh, and... Uh, there's another set of hackers who were French. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, just, there's, there's some French guys who come in at some point. Yeah, they and, and that's related. Oh, yeah, no, 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 well, it yeah, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole like oh. that's a whole thing. Um, but they manage to hack those, and so you get like Sasha Gray is is kidnapped and put in the boot of a car. Um, and, and they they get a feed from all the cameras that are scattered around from her, and so the image they get is this. It's like mosaic of video shards of her, which is yeah. like a real great aesthetic. Yeah. And the film... You see on the screen this video of her moving through the car where yeah, everything is like fractured and jittery and yeah, and like the pieces of her picture were like smashed and put back together. Yeah. And and when, when when the car goes around a corner, all the pieces just sort of like slide like broken glass into the wall. Yeah. Like it's it's really good. It, it's, there, there, is, there, is, there are some really, really smart elements of like design of this film. And, and you just kind of wish, like, if they were, if this was all set in one room, in one hacker's room, you could still do that because that's how you watch the chase. Yeah. It just doesn't, it having to be on the screen and like every cut having to be a whip pan across, yeah. or, or a tilt or whatever across the screen just doesn't, it, it just always feels like it's getting in the way. It's at its most useful during like the slasher sequence, which is the sequence uh, Elijah Wood is talking to Sasha Gray. Yeah, he, he, so he, she, he's sitting in his car outside. Yeah, she's talking to the camera, 
and we know Mescula is there in the house. Yeah, and so a lot of we, we, we can see on we can see on Elijah Wood's screen. Yeah, there's the webcam feed from from Sasha Gray, and then there's the like there's the like camera feed coming from Neil Maskell where he's like where he's like standing behind her at various points, or he's like creeping around doorways. And, and there's a lot of like zooming in, mm. so you are just looking at what is a close-up of someone's face, but because it's from a webcam feed, it's compressed and pixelated, and then it pans over and you see all Maskell's hand on the door, and it's essentially like 10 pixels yeah, or, or anti-alias. You or you see his like eyes reflected off a knife and stuff. I mean, I did not like that yeah? at all. Okay. I, I, I hated that. That shot just feels too fakey to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is like... Uh, um, uh, Vigilondo has spoken about how like he wanted to use real webcams and stuff like that. And so it is when it gets into like when real filmmaking interrupts into it, when there are like big movie car stunts and a yeah, chase, yeah. It, it it loses its grittiness. Like it yeah. doesn't, you can feel this film's big, massive ideas and oh, it's got so many fucking ideas. And like, has so much plot and so much character and so much conflict and but the the this rigid structure uh of 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 a screen life is not keeping them in check you can feel them bulging against it you can feel it holding the film in yeah and and during the final sequence um in which it is not the rules are not broken uh uh but it is heavily simplified uh uh, that becomes much more effective because you can be in it more. I mean, it's sort of brought back down to like one person with a phone yeah. r- r- rather than there's a laptop screen with 15 like different streams going on and yeah. French people shouting at you and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it, it, it's that sequence is, is like, even though that sequence is crazy, it commits to the simplicity of, 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 the, like, of the like screen life uh, yeah. idea. And you like, here is the other thing to know about this film. A thing that I think really helped us while we were watching it. It's when you watch it, watch it full screen, not so it's immersive. It's so you don't know how much time has passed. Yes. Because you, there's a sequence where you're like, oh yeah, this is the climax. Then there's a big event and you're like, oh yeah, cool. We're at the end. I can't wait for the tag to happen. Um, And then... The film keeps going. Yeah. And then another thing happens. You're like, oh, yeah, cool. We're a minute from the end. And then another thing. And then another. And it, that is why it is. it begins to feel like, and, and, and as much as like Rear Window is a film that is transparent, its technical um, uh, 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 restraints are transparent mm. and its narrative ones are very visible yeah in that it is it's a classic 50s hitchcock film like the plot is the plot it goes bah 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 you can i'm sure you can if you got to stop watch you break down the precise act timing of everything and and how in in every reveal and in this the very fact that the whole film has led you to this moment and you're like oh the film is over now and it keeps going is why you why it feels like a mind bomb yeah (laughs) it's because you're like are we in is this a bonus round? Are we in it? What is? Yeah, okay. it, it, it's a film that that becomes so unpredictable that most people, it seems like from the reviews, fully gave up on it at that point. They're like, no, this, this film is not worth my time. It's not worth watching. 
this is garbage because yeah. it it is it is it it takes such a strange it, it takes such a strange twist and it feels the pacing of it feels so strange but it, i think if you can if you can give in to the weirdness of it and you and you and you can like let that twist wash over you this is a very very fun movie well and the thing that really helps the ending is that I think this is an incredibly strong cast. Yeah. And through the second half of the film, everyone gets a go at mm. being the lead. Yeah. And they all each own it. Like, like Elijah Wood is fucking Elijah Wood. Neil Maskell is is fucking in anything and, and and is in everything and is great. Like, like he was the second lead on a, you know, a two-series British sitcom. Yeah. And, like, the fact that Sasha Gray, and maybe this is by her own choice, you know, she, she has lived many lives and done mm. many things. Yeah. But, like, she kills this lead role. She does a lot of things with this part. There is a bit early on where she seems staged and frozen. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, great. Like, Sasha Gray, cool. Like, hooray, you know. Uh, but then I was like, oh, no, that's part of the performance. Yeah. And, like, like as she gets to do crunchier things, she, she feeds it. And it- she has a scene near the end, right before the twist is revealed, which, like, is a piece of acting that anyone would be very happy to have in their movie. And, and is also a legitimately interesting, and like, yeah, this film. She is someone who I, I, I think absolutely, I think part of the reason why she was, you know, interested in this film is this is probably very kind of similar to her experience of being a famous person on the internet oh. and how absolutely invasive and soul-crushing it is to have all these people who do not know you lusting after you and think they own you. Yeah. A- and she expresses the like horror and the frustration of that and they're just like wanting to be left alone to live your fucking life but like the way our culture exists and what we do to public personas yeah i think like she she captures that really really well that bit of acting that you're referring to i wrote uh, like my my biggest uh, professional success uh was, was was a play about surveillance yeah that 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 you watched large parts of it through surveillance cameras so i have put a lot of thought uh, into what surveillance is thematically and how we watch each other and everyone watches each other. The play was called Watch. Um, and- There's a movie from the mid-2000s called Look. It was all uh, shot through security cameras. And some, uh, like a, yeah, like no, a I, yeah, no, when I, when I spent a year full-time right. working yeah, on, yeah. on that show, I, I did look up all, all prior. I watched yeah. Rear Window a lot. Yeah. While, while, you, you, uh, you know, the movie Look is directed by, uh, by the same guy who directed The Invisible Maniac. Yeah, no, and it's it's fine. the The film I discovered while doing that, Red Road, is the surveillance film. Right. I found that that was great. I also made, you know, there's enough surveillance in Four Lines. But anyway, <laughs> is that that there there are very like loads of people are making films about surveillances and about how we're watching each other through screens, about how we live life through cameras. Yeah. Like that is like that is borderline. I'm making a film about identity bullshit. Um, but the thing we thing we don't talk about is that obviously you know people make films or tell stories about people who are watched and what it is like to be watched yeah and their people make stories about the people who watch and sometimes they make stories about both of them but it is the fact that the interesting thing is that there is an interaction there like the parasocial relationship uh, um which is a neutral descriptor that has been twisted by the internet into an inherently bad thing but any who um, it is that the interaction and not juxtaposition, like the third person, the, the lens, the camera, 
how things meet the third world, the third space between all of us. Like I'm speaking to you and you're looking at your phone, but you're here with me now. Yeah. Like that is the interesting thing. And, and like that is ideas around that are what the film builds to. And it's still a fil- fucking schlocky B film where the middle 40 minutes are a slog. And if you watch this on our recommendation, which you fucking should, you will be like, uh, what are they talking really? about? And then you'll get to one of the twists and be like, oh, is that the fucking thing that blew their minds? These guys are lazy. But anyway, um, uh, it, and like it, it's not. I'm not saying it's great, but it is far more engaged and nuanced than it first seems. Yes, and it does make those slips. The fact that it is, and it's not imperfect in like a rough, lo-fi. You kind of love it because it's rough and ready. Like I, I, I talked. I said about how like this genre gives us a great excuse to get away with bad verbal exposition because mm. you can have it as text. Or whatever on screen, yeah. And, and and the 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 like opening fifteen minutes of this movie is full of bad verbal exposition. And and, and it, it is it is super clunky. It 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 it, it, yeah. it never feels like real people talking. That is absolutely true. And I think that with the two Nacho Vigilando films that I've seen so far, uh, uh, this and Colossal, I've not rewatched Colossal. I saw it a few years ago. I really really enjoyed it then. I think both the films that I've seen so far are I think deeply imperfect, but have like lots of really fucking good ideas that i don't see a lot of other people exploring in the way that he explores them. i think uh, i would juxtapose we're at the same screening of colossal because we're the we're the same person yeah that's that's the other one i've seen i really do want to get around to his next film after this was uh um an entry in blumhouse's anthology for hulu um where which uh uh his episode was called Puka, and well, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was an anthology, but it, it was an, an anthology of films. And yeah, and he, into he, the he, he did part of VHS Viral, which uh, everyone hated. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, but the thing is, is that Colossal to me is a film with incredible pitch, which is uh, um, what's her name? Anne Hathaway Anne when Hathaway. she gets drunk controls a kaiju in Korea. Yeah. Um, and has to go, she goes to her hometown. What does it mean? Uh, what are her relationships like? I think that is interesting. And then I think it takes it to, I think it does, I think there's some great acting in it. But I also think that how, what it builds to, it's its ending is much less than it's built oh, up. I think that the ending is the major problem with that. Like, and that is a movie where the twist uh, makes it uh, less interesting when the twist happens in Colossal, and you find out like why all this stuff's happening. You're like, no, that doesn't make any sense, and that isn't a good enough reason. Uh, yeah, it makes it seem a little less. Whereas, like mm. open windows, and so it is like, yeah, Colossal is first two acts of a good film with the last act uh, of a film that doesn't seem to trust itself, and yeah. also has some weirdly toxic ideas about how you should uh, represent addiction in film. But anyway. And whereas this is like the first act, the first two acts are that of like a film I would never, I'm not mad I saw, but I would never recommend anyone watching, followed by a genuinely cuckoo crazy act yes. that like both follows and explodes the previous act and is like, yeah, they're, they're like, and, and, and it, yeah, again, so this, 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 this is a movie which, at the movie theater that me and you go to all the time, Academy Cinemas at Auckland. Yeah. Uh, 
they they have like a rack of DVDs and Blu-rays for sale, and it's like it's like ten bucks for four. And for years, I've been looking at the I've been looking at the the copy of Open Windows there, and I'm like, oh, I I like that guy's other movie. Should I buy that? Oh, I don't know. Sasha Grey's in it, but people think people, like people think I'm just like buying this movie because Sasha Grey's in it. But like, if I if I go back there next time and they still have a Blu-ray of it. I'll probably buy the Blu-ray. Oh yeah, it's now race between the two of us. Yes. Um. Uh, and uh, the the point I wanted to get and, to, earlier, and then this will be the lowest rated film I own on Blu-ray, uh, oh, apart from Cats. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh not 4K. Um. <laughs> too many Ks. You can't like just the all screens just reject those pixels. They're like no. Um. And uh, uh, the point I wanted to get to earlier about Sasha Gray, uh, we know it's interesting, but it's like it, it, if she is not getting work just because of bullshit, as opposed to her not getting more, like yeah. she absolutely deserves yes a fucking credit. She absolutely deserves to do well in a bunch of indie films and then be cast as fucking Captain Marvel for <laughs> yeah. She 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 gives a real performance in this movie and she does and she does good work uh, with. with, with 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 material that I think not everyone would be able to do a good job with, uh, and, and, and Finn is using real there because he does not consider sex work real work. I mean, I wouldn't call his real films. I mean, they're not films though. No, exactly. I said real. I said yeah, real no, no, film. no, no. I was deliberately misinterpreting you for comedy. Oh, I hate it when you do that. No, I just know you hate sex workers. <laughs> it is uh, that all this hedging. Uh, like the thing I want to say is that I I call this film sound. It's not good. It's a slog. I'm just calling it sound because I think more people should see it. Yeah, uh, there's like a two and a half three star movie, but for the ideas that this gets into, for the surprisingly good performances, and for the uh, crazy fucking twist, I would say this yeah. movie is a marginal sound. Yeah, and I I want you to watch it. Yeah, no, like check it out. And I just, the only reason I'm not really going to shite is that I want to keep Zodiac Killer as the shite film I think people should watch, right, you know? Yeah. So we both agree it's sound, but we're the only two. Yes. No one else likes it. No one. We're just alone. Well, so, Yufa. Had a drift? Yufa. So I, 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 I've, I've actually found a, uh, I found a five-star review of this movie on Letterboxd. But it's, I presume it's like sarcas- sarcasmic. Uh, uh, no, it's, it's just in Spanish. But it's okay, I've Google translated it. <laughs> is so, this the only one? I didn't know. There are a bunch of five-star reviews, but one of them is just like, Sasha! And that's mm, not good enough. And like, imagine watching this film and thinking, it is like that how fucking, yeah, no, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of the five-star reviews in English are super boring. But so I, I, I took one of, the, one of the two five-star reviews in Spanish and I translated it. So let's go through that. There's probably going to be some weird phrasing or syntax in this. That is because I have uh, translated it uh, from Spanish. It is not my fault or the author's. So this is a five-star review of Open Windows uh, written by Letterboxd user Juan Bacaro. Direct and without scale to my top 10 of 2014. I've been salivating with Open Windows for months just because it came from the mind of Nacho Vigalando, whom I've considered my favorite Spanish director for a few years now. This film is revolutionary. Not only because it is the first great transmedia thriller in cinema, but because much more can be said in the future about its degree of sophistication, complexity, and daring, especially when it comes to direction. Open Windows excels in a dozen ways. Challenges in the real-time script, the cumbersome and daring direction work, 
and the intrepid and tangled post-production work which would make Brian De Palma himself envious or even Peter Greenaway. Uh, on like IMDb or Wikipedia, mm. it says they filmed this in real time, which is Absolutely not true. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Like, if they did, they have done a very good job at putting things in it that make that unconvincing. Yeah. And even if it is all like, I think you would do, lo- I think you could do like like the first 20 minutes with Elijah Wood. Yeah. You would do, you know, two days of you just do the whole thing like a play. But, but no, there are several, uh, like, part of ha- it bumping against the restrictions is there are times when it wants to elide time. And so it allows people to just kind of, like people jump around just a bit. Yeah. And it feels jarring. It feels like there, there's a mistake. And I think it thinks it's hiding it better than it is. It is like, oh, you couldn't get inside that far, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. But as if that weren't enough, Open Windows grows stronger by the minute, perhaps with some excesses of technological fantasies, but while still stepping on the gas in the funnest digital maze ever rehearsed. What Vigilando has, has done had not been attempted until now. He is at the height of reckless formulas, like those of Gaspar Noé, liquefied with the most classic Hitchcock suspense. This film would have been the delight of, of Harun Faraki, I don't know who that is, and his in-depth analysis of operational images, montage, reinvention of media, and his eternal resistance to the shot, reverse shot method, which here is handled in a professional way through something that would be similar or equal to the pan and scan technique on a laptop screen, but clearly simulated in editing. Something like what Garth Jennings achieved in the fabulous video clip Imitation of Life by R.E.M., or perhaps more similar to Lost Cause by Beck, also made by Jennings. Yeah, no, the two good music videos by Garth Jennings. Yeah. Funny, voracious, overwhelming, very entertaining, dizzying, full of confusion, adrenaline, and and bites, B-Y-T-E-S. A a postmodern thriller about, about continuous surveillance and how easy it could be to instantly annihilate ourselves in the virtual world. To top it off, Ghost Rider, hit by the pioneer suicide, is the title track of the film. It is a treasure, uh, which is true. Uh, the song Ghost Rider by Suicide, uh, very, very good song. That song plays a couple times, and then at the end, there is, there is another reveal which uh, did exactly what I wanted the movie to do with it. Which is, have a character say, no, fuck you, this is by the band Suicide, and yeah. it's good. Yeah. Uh, uh, so... so. Sasha Gray is sexy as ever, and diminutive Elijah Wood is huge as ever. Vigilando is back to rock and knock out. In fact, if the amusement park seems small to you, he also has his acting participation in the first minutes of the plot, which is true, he plays the director in the opening yeah. scene. Uh, He's uh, fourth belt. Yeah. This is a movie that you should see more than once, for the personal collection. Worthy of analysis, pizza, beer, and moviegoer friends. Am I exaggerating my bounty of laurels and stars for this little gem? The movie uh, may sound like a joke, but it's worth zooming in. I uh, nothing that review says is wrong. It is just that the film, none of it makes it good. Like you know, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But would you like to guess Juan Bacaro's top four? It's a fresh idea, Finn. Yeah, and I like it. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'd say this is a fairly standard film guy top four. All these movies are good. One of them won Best Picture in the year that is often considered to be the like toughest Best Picture category of all time. Decade. 70s. Conversation? No. No, the, the Conversation didn't win, didn't win Best Picture. Godfather? No. 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 Oh, um, give me another clue. Director? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, 
it is the first film role of such luminaries of cinema as Brad Dourif and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what the, a film. Yeah. The second film on the list is the movie. <laughs> yeah. Starts from the past, ends in the future. And uh, the journey there, oh, it's a real odyssey. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I don't know if you're going to guess this one. I, I hit it pretty well. <laughs> okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey. Correct. The third film, it's a heist film. It's an unconventional heist film. Is it from the 90s? Uh, no, it is from the early 2000s. Ah, okay. Unless I am wrong, which is possible. Yeah, no, it's early 2000s. Uh, is it a superhero film? It's not. Okay. Give me third build. Uh, third build. I think that's probably going to give it away. Uh, <laughs> I'll give you fourth build. It's Tilda Swinton. It's an early Judy Greer movie. That does not help me at all. Um, The main uh, actor plays two parts. Yeah, okay. What a you... Adaptation. Edi- yes, yeah, it's adaptation. Yeah, 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 what a film. And then the final film, I have not seen it. People like it a lot. It's 19th Builder's Patton Oswalt. Have I seen it? Uh, yeah. You have seen all of this filmmaker's movie. Three hours long. It's obvious now, right? Like I'm just being an idiot. Maybe. Boyhood? No. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's not a Robert Altman film, but it wants to be one. Look, you get to come for Magnolia <laughs> when you've seen it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's just what look, I'll say. Uh, look, I, I was looking from the cast list. I saw Henry Gibson. I was like, of course he's in this. But like it, I'm not saying anything bad about Magnolia by saying that it wants to be a Roald Altman film. I love Roald Altman films. I don't know, but sa- like uh, uh, it's like, okay, is that it? Are those yeah, the four? Yeah, yeah. Finn. Hey, Finn. Finn. Yes. Hey, Finn. Yeah. Hey. 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 Ooh, hey. Finn. Hey, Finn. Hey, hey Finn. I'm I'm podcasting here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where can people find you online? Who cares? You can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why don't you check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. That's and the word, not and the ampus. And my name on most social media platforms is Lives, U-T-H-E-R-L-I-V-E-S. And if it's not that, it's because I don't want you to find me. Yep. Um, uh, sign up for my newsletter. It's at bit.ly slash youth lives. Listen to my other podcasts. One's an audio drama podcast called the witching hours. The other, it's called the slow path where, where me, uh, and, and my, my incredible partner, Briar will watch Dr. Who until we die. Mm-hmm. Uh, first proper episode with the Daleks tonight. Ooh. <laughs> Exciting <laughs> times. Um, if you like this show, which is to say shine and sound, uh, and you do, Hey, why not tell your friends? Like and subscribe. Tweet out. You probably think, oh, everyone else is talking about it. But guess what? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Be the change you want to see in the world. And, and I'm sure that you know someone who would dig this. Like, I understand we're an acquired taste. Two white men talking about film. It, it, it's not it, a lot it's, of successful it's podcasts. Po- yeah. It's never been popular before. Um, but I think there's someone out there, uh, as, as I've said before, weird squirrely um, likes a lot of films that are full of like shouting and strobe warnings. (laughs) They like films where the moral is that we're made of meat and it can, we are so tender and we break so easily. Um, 
why not put them onto the show? Uh, our theme song? Is The Nuts by Kazam Blam. She came out on Bandcamp and in New Zealand film, Cousins. Cousins. What are we watching next week, Finn? Uh, next week, we are doing another Alfred Hitchcock film. Ah. We are doing North by Northwest. Both Elijah Wood. <laughs> oh, sorry. Finish what you were saying. I just realized a bit youth is doing. <laughs> we're doing a film North by Northwest. Right, with Elijah Wood. Yeah, that's right. We're doing North starring Elijah Wood, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And with that, we're watching North by Northwest. <laughs> no, we, 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 we are doing North by Northwest. And with that, we are doing A View to a Kill. The Elijah Wood film. <laughs> yes. No, the Christopher Walken, Grace Jones, Patrick McNeve, Roger Moore Bond film. Yeah. Is is Lundgren also in that, or, or was he just like hanging oh, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Lundgren. Uh, ha, yeah, because that was when him and Grace Jones were dating. Oh, yeah. And with uh, like the single most uh, statuesque couple of all time. That, I, yeah, no, I, I was making, yeah, no, like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. And like that film. I'm I'm looking forward to working through my Bond feelings. Yeah. Speaking of Grace Jones, I was uh, I was staying with my mum a while ago. Grace Jones. Yeah. And uh, you don't uh, bring uh, it up often, but yeah. And uh, her cover of the song "Warm Leverett came came on the radio. Yeah. And and my mum was like, "Oh yeah, it's a great song." And I was like, "Hey, mum, did you know that that this song is a cover? It's originally by a late '70s British synth punk band called The Normal." And uh, it's based as uh, it's based on the novel Crash by J.G. Ballard, and it's about uh, uh, it's about people getting turned on by car crashes. And my mom said, "No, I didn't know that." And so I played over played over the original version, where you can uh, very clearly understand the lyrics, which you cannot understand in the Grace Jones song because you just get caught up in that uh, in that catchy beat. But I, I, I played it for by the normal, and then after she was like, "Oh, that's what that's about." Uh, oh no! So what we're we saying is. Finn's mum, parent, divorced him. He's technically uh, an, legally an orphan yeah. now. So if there are any other parents out there looking for a 24-year-old <laughs> child. Uh, yeah. You I know. think that's a good description of me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I found some more gray hairs. And I got to tell you, when you're still flatting and you find gray hairs. Yeah. Uh, Tabby Givenson, the teacher of a new Gossip Girl. No. Okay, no, you have to talk about that. Can you describe <laughs> what that was like from your perspective? Right, so I... While we were watching uh, uh, Rear Window... Yeah, so I, I found out a piece of information a few days ago, uh, which I thought would be uh, very funny to tell to you because I knew it would make him feel bad about, about uh, being an old person. And, uh, yeah, so I... I just, just very casually, like... Hey, the new season of Gossip Girls out. People like that a lot, and and Youth was like, sure, and, and I said, well, did you know that Tevi Gibbonson plays a teacher on it? And Youth said, a, 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 a teacher, <laughs> like not like a joke, not like a joke teacher, but like like a te- like a real like a real a real teacher. And then I was like, is the joke? That the, the, she's much older than she looks. <laughs> is, is the joke that the death is inescapable? Yeah. And the end is approaching for all of us, and there's nothing that I specifically can do to escape it. And. <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm. That, well, it's, and she, she's, a te- she's a teacher? <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Tabby Gibbonson is, she was a teenage fashion blogger 
who became but like a like I when I first became aware of, of Taylor Gibson, she was like she was the thirteen year old fashion yes, blogger, yeah. and, 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 and she, she, she like, was how old is Taylor Gibson? I'd be like, oh, oh, probably 16. seventeen. Yeah, yeah. seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she she was like for a few years like the most important fashion blogger in the world, and apparently good at it. Yeah, and now and she's written shit and because she yeah. ran Rookie. Rookie was good, and um, and and now and now she's now she's an actor. Yeah, no, it was genuinely a moment of real existential darkness. Anyway, movies are good. Even bad ones. Go watch them. This is awesome. I was shitting on the on the famous chef Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> okay, Wolfgang Puck. Yeah, it seems okay. So he's being interviewed by a guy called Henry Jaglum. So Wells, I don't like Wolfgang. He's a little shit. I think he's a terrible man. Jaglum, why? Wells, I don't know. God made him that way. What do you mean why? Jaglum, well, I mean, what makes him terrible? Wells. I don't need to explain it. It's a free country. Anybody who sits down at my table without being invited is a shit. Jaglum. Wolf did that? Wells. Yes. Jaglum. Wouldn't you want to call him just informal rather than a shit? Wells. What? <laughs> Jaglum. You, you, you wouldn't want to refer to that as informality rather than being a shit? Wells. No. Shitty. Shitty. A self-promoting little shit. And I'm very sorry he has all this success. <laughs> 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 I, uh, Orson Welles is definitely just a nightmare to be around at any point, right? <laughs> like, if, I, think, I think if Orson Welles liked you, though, <laughs> no, it, would be bit, it would be the best experience in the world. But he'd like you to your face, but then the moment like you left the room... <laughs> oh. have, have you seen the thing from, from the same interview of, of Orson Welles talking about John Landis? I believe so, but yeah. again. Wells, the arsehole from Animal House, a real shit. Jaglum. John Landis? Let me be of some help here. He's a person I can, I can influence. Wells, kill him. <laughs> Jaglum. No, no, I don't want to. He's a really decent guy. What's he done? Wells. Won't leave me alone. He was phoning me and giving me advice on how to make the movie. In a very patronizing way. Everything he says is dumb. Apparently there are two Hollywood directors who get on calling up Wells and giving him advice. Jaglum. Who's the other? Not Falsey. George Falsey. His father shot a lot of Minnelli's musicals. Meet me in St. Louis. They're not coming to Rome, are they? Wells. Oh, yes, they're coming with their wives. To shop and all that. Unless they're in jail. Jaglum. Oh, right. That Twilight Zone thing. The Vic Morrow thing. Killed by a helicopter blade. Wells. You know that both of them phoned me to give me advice on, the, on my script. The day they were indicted? On the day they were indicted. 